Today's reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 21 to 28, I'm sorry, 21 to 40, and can be found on page 1028 of your church Bibles. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marvelled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Phenuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Hi everyone, my name's Stephen, I'm the youth worker at Rich Prankton Church, it was great to see you all here this morning. And we've had one Christmas game, so I thought we'd do another one. This is based on um, Only Connect or Linky, anyone seen that or played that? Basically there'll be four or five little things that I'll show you on the screen. You have to work out what links these seemingly random things together. Are we ready? First one, Leicester City Football Club. Second, Mars Delight. Third... I can't quite see it from the, ah, the waitress's Christmas wrapping, that song they sing, yep. Fourth, oh, I've forgotten again. Ah, po uh, Pogs, yes, Pogs. And then fifth, Anna and Simeon. Anyone know what links those five things together? Any ideas? Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. Here they are, I think these five things are all one-hit wonders. Right? Things that appeared briefly and sparkled and disappeared. By the way, Mars Delights, underrated chocolate bar. Stunning. Where's that gone from my life? Anyway, they're all one-hit wonders. Anna and Simeon are biblical Christmas one-hit wonders who we're going to find out about this morning. But first, let's kind of work out where we are in the story. Um, strangely, on Christmas Eve, Jesus has been born. And actually, it's 40 days after his birth right now. Verse 22. 
When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So Mary and Joseph take 40-day-year-old Jesus on a 10-mile trek to Jerusalem. They're some brave parents, right? Whoo, hello. Um, and they take him there to, to kind of do a Thanksgiving dedication, we, we might call it. And there they meet Anna and Simeon these biblical one-hit wonders who appear only once in the entire Bible, yet Luke gives us a lot of information about them, doesn't he? There's a lot about Anna and Simeon right here, and partly that's because Luke's showing us his witnesses and showing us that they're they're, they're trustworthy, reliable, but there's more. See, Anna and Simeon, they're they're not a couple, they're not an item together, but they are very similar. Like They kind of are old, faithful waiters, not as in waiters like this, no, no, no. But, but people who are waiting for something. They're old, faithful waiters. I mean, Luke does that very un-British thing of telling us Anna's age. Like, terrible, what's he doing? Anyway, verse 36, he says, um, she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. <sighs> Scandalous. He calls her very old. And Simeon, we learn, is, is kind of close to death. And yet, doesn't their godliness just shine through? Simeon, he's, he's called in verse 25, righteous and devout. And the Holy Spirit was on him. That means like he's good with people and good with God. And the Holy Spirit has marked him out as blessed. This guy is stunning. But Anna's faithfulness is somewhat even greater, isn't it? She's known absolute tragedy and heartbreak. The stuff that could push you away from God. The stuff that should make you bitter and twisted towards God. And yet, verse 37, she never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. What a godly example. What a wonderful woman, right? They are faithful people. They're they're old, faithful waiters. In verse 25, we learn that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Consolation means hope. So kind of he's read his Old Testament, read his Torah, and he's found out that God's going to send a special rescuer, the Messiah, the Savior. And he's kind of waiting for that moment. Anna's part of a group who are, who are longing for the redemption of Jerusalem. They're longing for kind of someone to turn up and free Jerusalem, free God's people from the Romans. So they're kind of expecting some big, mighty, strong warrior king. They're waiting for Christmas. Which is why it's stunning that as Mary and Joseph bring in little baby Jesus, both Anna and Simeon are like, whoa, here he is. He is the one we've been waiting for. We've been waiting for this moment. We've been waiting to see this saviour. Here he is. Amazing. But but there's something more too, because I think, I think actually Anna and Simeon, they sort of represent the law and prophets. They kind of show us that the old ways are drawing to a close, right? I mean, they're sort of law and prophets personified. In the, in the, we learn that Anna and Simeon are both faithful people who keep the law, who live the law out. In fact, have a look at your Bibles. Do you notice the number of times the word law appears? Have a little count. It's there in verse 22, verse 23, and 24, and 27, and, and 39. Like five times the word law appears. Like Luke is at pains to show us this is all a big law-keeping moment. Anna's a prophet. Simeon prophesies. I think these two here are showing us that the whole of the Old Testament, the law and prophets, have been waiting for Christmas. 
It tells me that God has been preparing Christmas for a very, very, very long time. Like, I reckon every single one of us, probably, this year will have had this conversation. Maybe in, in October, maybe September, maybe even August for some of you. Someone comes in, shaking their head. They've just come from the supermarket, from Lidl, shaking their head, tutting away. You'll never guess what I've seen. It's a scandal. It's only September, only August, only October. And the Christmas aisle's up. They're playing Christmas music. I swear to you, they are preparing for Christmas way too early these days. Hands up if you've heard that conversation this year. Who's instigated that conversation this year? Who who was the hot? Yes, there we go. You know, it comes around every year because they seem to be preparing for Christmas really, really, really far in advance. But that's nothing compared to my dad. My dad, on Boxing Day, he will get the spreadsheet out for next year and he'll make notes. He'll go, ah, 10 minutes more on the turkey. Ah, the herbs didn't work on the parsnips. Rosemary this time. That's what he's doing. He's planning the menu, ordering food almost a year in advance. Nothing compared to God. Right? Anna and Simeon here tell us that God's been preparing for Christmas since the dawn of time. Like, I think as these law and prophet representatives, they're showing that every single page, passage, paragraph in this Old Testament is another signpost pointing to Jesus, pointing to Christmas. The law and prophets have been waiting for this moment. And if you notice, right, it's this sort of end of an era thing. They're not in conflict with Jesus. But this is like the climax, the fulfillment, the pinnacle. I mean, you go through and you see that everything that happens to Jesus is kind of according to the law. Here's a perfect law-keeping baby. Verse 21, he's circumcised on the eighth day. Verse 22, when things required by the law of Moses come about, he's there doing it. In verse 39, Luke sums up by saying, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee. This child is perfect. Like the perfect law-keeping child, controlling things that no child has control over. Because Jesus, he's the end of the law and prophets. He's the fulfillment of law and prophets. And actually, isn't it beautiful how Anna and Simeon react when they see Jesus? Verse 28, Simeon takes Jesus in his arms and praises God. Verse 38, Anna runs up and starts giving thanks to God and telling everybody about him. This is the reaction that kind of the old way should lead us to. Which sort of makes reading Luke's gospel really sad, doesn't it? In that lots of the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the people who have this access to the same scriptures as Anna and Simeon, who should react to the Messiah in the exact same way. Rather than joy and thanksgiving, they try and murder him. He's the one that the law and prophets have been waiting for, and they can't see it. But he's not just the hope for the Jews, right? He's the one the whole world has been waiting for. Isn't that what our man Simeon says? The moment Jesus is kind of in his arms. Verse 30, Simeon says, My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon, holding that baby, kind of weaves together three brilliant Isaiah prophets, uh, prophecies um, into a, a wonderful, wonderful word. And he picks and chooses the bits of those prophecies which talk about Jesus being a massive, mighty, global saviour. He says Jesus is salvation that all nations can see. 
he is a light for Gentiles, people who aren't Jewish, who traditionally have been in darkness, hidden from God. Yet suddenly they can see God. God's revealed himself to them. Jew, Gentile, every nation. Jesus, he's the saviour of the whole entire world, the one the whole world's been waiting for. And in some ways, Luke has been showing us that from the start of Luke chapter 1. I mean, you look at Luke 1 and 2, and you see the whole spectrum of humanity on display, don't you? You get the very youngest, the very oldest, you get the very poorest, you get men and women and everyone in between. Like, everyone's there in Luke 1 and 2. We all find our place. Because Jesus has come for every single one of us. Um, John the Baptist, he's the first person in Luke's gospel. In the womb of Elizabeth. And he leaps for joy when he meets Jesus. Like in Mary. <sighs> Legend. The youngest, the oldest. Here we've got, Mary, um, here we've got Anna and Simeon. They're pretty old. We've, we've already met Zechariah and John. Not Zechariah and John, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Uh, they're also old. Which is pretty cool, isn't it? Because I think we're often told that Christmas is for young kids, you know? We put presents out for the kids. We put the tree up for the kids. We decorate the house for the kids, put the lights on for the kids. I'm in my 30s, and I am buzzing for Christmas. Like, I'm not going to sleep tonight. <laughs> I'm really excited for Christmas. And Anna and Simeon, they're really excited for Christmas too. Look at them. They're like buzzing and pumped. They're, they're old people who are loving Christmas and joyful and excited and can't wait for that. Which is pretty cool. Especially because, I mean, we've had the youngest and the oldest, and they both have a really important part to play in, like, showing Jesus. In our society, when kind of both ends of the spectrum are kind of pushed to one side, the youngest aren't, very, very youngest aren't cared about in the womb. Those close to the tomb are pushed away. Yet Jesus says, they both have infinite value, incredible importance, and are vital in showing the beauty of Jesus. That's so good, isn't it? We're never too young to do great things for God, never too old to do great things for God. I love that. It's beautiful. The youngest, the oldest, the whole world is waiting for for Christmas. And the very poorest too. We've seen shepherds earlier, but, but here we see poverty as well. You look at Mary and Joseph. They go to the temple and they, they offer a sacrifice. And like the normal sacrifice is kind of a nice, healthy shawarma sheep, right? That, that's what you offer. You offer a lamb to redeem a child, going back to Exodus kind of ways. But, but, but look at verse 24. That's not a lamb. They offer a, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. That's because the law says if you can't afford a lamb because they're quite pricey, you give two birds instead. We learn that Mary and Joseph are pretty poor. And hey, isn't that incredible? That the God of the universe, with all the riches and splendors of heaven, comes into the very poorest of families. What a humble saviour we have. We've got the youngest, the oldest, the poorest. We've got men and women. Like, the whole world has been waiting for Christmas. And I think every one of us can see our face in Luke 1 and 2. And that's the point. He's a saviour that we desperately need. But Why? Well, I think this comes in with Simeon and what he's waiting for. So you look at verse 26. It had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. See, from that moment on, Simeon's whole life is about seeing God's Messiah. His big dream. Got me thinking of my dreams, actually, when I was younger. Um, In year four, 
my dream. We were taught to draw a picture of what we wanted to be when we grew up. Stephen draws himself in goal, playing for England, football. Year four. But year six, our dream had changed because by that moment we had to kind of write into our school yearbook what our big dream was. Hey, year six, Stephen wrote down, I want to play cricket for England. But then year nine, you asked me in year nine, my dream had changed yet again. I want to play rugby for England, right? And then, but, but hey, year 12, you asked me in year 12, Stephen, what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to play water polo. No, no, uh, I want to be a chef or a roller coaster designer for England. Um, but he, like, you asked Simeon what, what his big dream was, his big ambition, his big goal. He would have said to see the Lord's Messiah, to see the Savior. While I'm drawing pictures of, of me saving German penalties, he, he's kind of waiting and longing to see Jesus. And so, kind of, when Mary and Joseph bring in little Jesus, uh, like, like, and Simeon runs up and goes, can I, can I hold him? He kind of raises him Lion King style really high in the air and says some absolutely beautiful words. Words that kind of the Anglican church had taken into their liturgy. If you look at verse 29 and verse 30, um, Simeon says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Do you see what he says? Do you see why Jesus is the one the whole world has been waiting for? Simeon kind of looks into the bundle of Jesus' joy into his eyes and says, I can die in peace. I'm ready to die. It's almost like death has lost its hold on him because he holds the Lord of life in his hands. It's a beautiful moment. And um, it's a really important moment, isn't it? Because as we've already heard this morning, Christmas isn't all super joyful and super happy and super exciting. It can be really dark. Nick at our carol service a few, uh, last week was saying how at Christmas the darkness seems even darker and the happiness seems even happier. But, but, but all of us will know and have been touched by some kind of Christmas darkness and feel it more acutely than others. 2006, I think, was the first time I realized that Christmas could be really scary because um, Yaya and Bapu, that's kind of the Greek names of grandma and grandpa, that they died that year. And so it came to Christmas and like... Bapu wasn't there eating the turkey neck, which, by the way, is stunning. Like, eat the turkey neck, it is amazing. But he wasn't there kind of munching it like he always does. Uh, Yaya, kind of, she wasn't there sleeping in the corner after Christmas Day dinner. It's the first time, like, I felt Christmas to be, like, dark. Not very fun. Actually quite empty. And for some of you... That's all you'll be feeling right now. Which makes what Simeon says absolutely incredible, doesn't it? He looks at Jesus and says, I'm ready to die, not in fear, but in peace. J.C. Ryle, the Bishop of Liverpool, he, he said, Simeon speaks like one for whom the grave has lost its terrors and the world has lost its charms. Because he's holding Jesus. 
And we see why. I mean, like Simeon, he says some strange things to Mary. Now, when you meet a child for the first time, you normally say, oh, look at her. She looks just like her mum. Or, oh, look at his curly hair, just like his dad, right? But look at Simeon. Verse, verse 34, he says, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts be revealed. He kind of looks, into the, looks, into, looks at Jesus, looks at Mary and says, Oh, he's going to suffer. Oh, he's going to be hated. Oh, people are going to find him offensive. That's not what you say to new parents. Like Matt and Steph, when they come back in here with Raya, don't say that to them. That's not good news. Simeon looks into Jesus and sees an offensiveness to him. That, that he will divide people. That people won't like him. He looks and sees that Jesus is the light of the world, right? Who shines in a place where people are dark. And their darkness, dark deeds are exposed. We don't like that, so he divides people. And I think we all know this, that Christmas is kind of, and division go hand in hand. Only last night we were um, debating the, the, the best order of heroes in a box of chocolates, right? Crunchy bits, obviously. Um, but, but Christmas and division go hand in hand, don't they? So, so like, real or fake trees? Actually, out of interest, hands up for real trees. Hands up for fake yeah, ooh, what about Brussels sprouts have to have at least one on Christmas Day, hands up. Hands up, no Brussels sprouts, nice meal, meal, yeah, yeah, nice. What about this, the biggest one though, come on, surely. Die Hard Christmas film, yes or no? <laughs> hands up for yes, hands up for no. It definitely is a Christmas film, right? Because Christmas brings them together, doesn't it? Anyway, anyway, that's, that's the definition of Christmas film. But, anyway, but yeah, Christmas is, is divisive, and it always has been. It always will be because, like, in some ways, it echoes Jesus that he's a divisive guy. You can't be on the fence. You can't be neutral with him. He divides people. And actually, that also means that people who follow Jesus will kind of smell like Jesus, will have that same offensive odor about us. Because by the way we live and talk and act will expose other people. See, Simeon looks at Jesus and sees division and offensiveness. But he also sees an offensiveness that ultimately leads to death. Did you notice that? Verse 35, he looks at Mary and he says to her, Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too. Simeon predicts the most horrible and painful thing any mother could ever have to go through. That one day Mary will stand there and see her son die in front of her and be powerless to stop it. It's like Simeon kind of looks at Jesus, looks into that bundle of joy and sees a little cross. He's, he, he sees a cross in the manger, an Easter egg there. He sees Jesus' end. And yet, it's that that, that means Simeon can say, I can now go in peace. It's that that makes Simeon say, my eyes have seen your salvation, because he sees the most beautiful thing. 
He, he sees that, that Christmas is so good, so brilliant because of Easter. Because Jesus, he, he's come to live, yes, but he's come to die. He's come to be plunged into the very depths of darkness itself to kind of break death open for all who trust and hold on to him. He has come to destroy that dark shroud, that horrible, horrible weight over Christmas. He's come to break it once and for all. Christmas is such good news because of Easter. This is why he's the one the whole world has been waiting for. Because Jesus dies. So that those who trust him don't ever have to. See, I love verse 30. Simeon's saying, my eyes have seen your salvation. He's kind of saying salvation is something you can hold on to. Salvation is someone that you can know. And so, BH, if you love and know Jesus, hold on to him so tightly this Christmas. Remember that he is that Easter savior who's come to break death apart. And also, we wait, don't we? We're like Simeon and Anna in some ways, in that kind of, we are waiting for Christmas 2.0, for Jesus to come back. When all those dark things will be made light, when all those shadows will be gone once and for all. The whole world is waiting for Christmas. Let me pray. Father, thank you for Anna and Simeon, and thank you that they show us and teach us so much about the beautiful, wonderful Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that he came into this world to break death. Thank you that, that, that salvation is someone we can know and hold on to and hope in. And thank you that that, that same Christ is coming back to right every wrong, to, to bring light to every shadow. What a wonderful thing. Help us to keep waiting and keep hope, hoping and keep joyful as we do. Amen.